Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Good. Glad you, that you are here. My name is Grant, and you are the Seahawk Remnant Sleep-In Service people, and I love you. That's what you need to know today. Uh, next week, we're going to start a brand new series, and the series is called Pure, the Naked Truth from the Book of Song of Solomon. Do not let fear, shame, or assumptions keep you from being here because it has broad implications for every single person. And I hope you'll come and join me next week. You pray, I'll preach, and we'll see how it goes. I spoke at a denominational conference up in Canada a couple of years ago. My first connection with this group of people was at a breakfast meeting. I'd never met them. They'd never met me. So I show up, and we had that awkward moment where they're kind of like, uh, Grant? And I'm like, yeah, are you the guys from Febcast? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go have breakfast together. So we sit down together, and in an instant, we're connected because we both love Jesus, and we all love the church, and so we're all there together. The guy sitting across from me, he's just really quiet, and I thought, well, he's pretty shy. The only time he spoke is when he ordered his meal, and when we finished up the meal, he just kind of got up and slipped away. I thought he just went to the restroom. I mean, that's kind of what I thought was going on, um, and I was a little shocked when one of the guys all of a sudden said, hey, Grant, are you going to introduce us to your friend? I'm like, uh, I don't know who he is. I've, uh, I thought he was with you guys. And there was like, we've never seen him before. He went to the restroom, and he just never came back. He just disappeared. And I ended up actually paying for his meal. And I didn't know whether I should be mad or whether I should admire his courage. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> Sit down with a group of people, just, I'm going to order a meal, and then get up and just walk out the door, right? Here's the deal, Okay. His commitment to our little group there only went as far as his ability to consume. He took, but he never put anything back in. He was committed, but only to himself. The whole purpose of this series has been to offer an opportunity for everybody that calls Christ the King home to step towards the center where Jesus is and to commit to Jesus and to his church. You've heard me say this before, for six long weeks, at the core of every church is a committed group of people who love Jesus more than anything who love other people who love Jesus more than anything, who love people who are far from God, who steward their resources in a way that actually proves they love Jesus more than anything, are committed to living in biblical community and serve people in the same way that Jesus served them, with humility and with passion. So we've been challenging everybody over the last six weeks to take a step towards the center. Let me show you a little diagram as to how we kind of believe that this works, okay? In the center of the diagram is Christ, always, because Jesus is our pastor, our savior, our king. He runs the show. None of the rest of us really matter. It's really all about him. Surrounding Christ is a group that we would call the core. The core of Christ the king is people who've said, I'm in, not only with Jesus, 
but also in with the mission, accomplishing the mission of what this little piece of God's bride is actually trying to accomplish. Around them is a group of people that I call committed. They, they love Jesus. They just haven't taken the step to own that mission in this particular church, but we're praying and hoping that they actually take that step. Around them is a group that I would call the congregation. They love this place. They show up. They just haven't crossed the line into serving yet, but we are encouraging them to get in the game and enjoy or, and to join us in accomplishing that mission. Around them is a group called the crowd, okay? They call this place home, but it's really a casual connection. So they show up when they can, and we're glad that they're here every time that they do. And according to our database, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in Whatcom County call this home. We just don't actually see them very often, okay? No guilt, no shame. And then finally, there's a group called the community. The community it represents all of the people that we want to reach out to in love, acceptance, and forgiveness so they can experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. And I want to say this to everybody so you make sure you hear my heart and Todd's heart today. Everybody on the chart, no matter what circle you may find yourself in, you belong here. You're welcome here. We love everybody, no matter where you find yourself on the circle, but we want you to move closer to the center without apology. Today, I want you to take stock and consider moving in towards the center. In fact, I'd love to share a verse of scripture that speaks to everybody in the room. I'm going to read it to you in four different translations, actually three translations and one paraphrase, so that you see the symmetry in Ephesians 2.19 all the way through. Paul's talking to the church, and this is what he says. New International Version. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. The New Living Translation. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. English Standard Version. So then you're no longer aliens and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, not a translation, but it says, now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you're members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. If you look at all four of them in their different ways of being expressed, you'll find four words that just jump off the page, member, citizen, family, and belong. I'd love for you to underline them. Put, put a circle around them, whatever you need to do, but you find them over and over again, member, citizen, family, and belong. So let's talk truth. Just briefly, four truths from Ephesians 2.19. Number one, there was a time when we were all outsiders, but that changed. So for everybody in the room, there was a time when we were natural born enemies of God. If you're offended by that, don't blame it on me. That's actually how the Bible describes us. We were natural born enemies of God, but then it happened. Jesus came Jesus died, Jesus rose again from the dead, and in doing so, he reconciled us to God, and we were adopted into God's family. If you want to know what's really happening today, just look, this is just one big adoption story. It's an epic narrative. We were outside of the family, but then because of Jesus, we were invited in. What does the Bible say? It says, there was a time you were out, but now, because of Jesus, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're part of this. Number two. When we become followers of Jesus, we actually join God's kingdom. In 2006, my wife and I got to join a little K earthly kingdom. 
I was fingerprinted, interviewed, tested, and then had to take an oath to be able to stand underneath of a family banner known as Americans, right? So I took out citizenship in this country. Before I got to be in, I had to take an oath. When you become a part of God's family, His kingdom, you take an oath. Sometimes it's sung like this, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The world behind me, the cross before me. And when we make that oath, God responds and says, you're citizens. Family members of God, citizens of heaven. Truth number three. And this is the one that's going to stretch some of you. God expects all of us, all of us, to belong to and be committed to a spiritual family. What does it say? It says we are members of the household of God. And all the way through Scripture, it uses a picture of a human body. Some of you are feet. You love to move with the gospel. Some of you are eyes. You see prophetically. You can see where God is moving before it even happens. Some of you are kidneys. You bring purity into the body. Now, here's the problem. The problem is random body parts that just float around the community and decide they can do whatever they want to without being connected to a body. And we got lots of those, right? People float over here and they float over there. I'm not going to pull any punches. Let me just say it. Floating body parts are dangerous, okay? They're dangerous. A disconnected kidney is not helpful when it shows up one week and does a little purification here, and then shows up over here and does a little purification here. The problem with that is this. Pretty soon the kidneys start thinking that they're the brains of the operation. When the reality is this, a kidney, think about it, a kidney without a brain is just a glorified coffee filter. <laughs> you get that? Some of you still aren't convinced. You're just like, you need to be connected to a body, not multiple bodies. We don't share body parts. It's not the way it works. Not in humanity, not in biology, and not in church. Some of you aren't convinced. You're just like, why do I need to be a part of that? Let me answer it this way. I'll make it personal. I was created to be in community. We learned that in the second week. And there's over 30 instructions in the New Testament that I can't fulfill unless I'm a part of a local church community. 30 of them. You're like, where does it say that, Grant? You know what? I can love one another. That's what Scripture tells me to do. But I can only do that fully when I realize that the one another actually refers to the people that are sitting around me in this room. Now, is that an excuse to only love those people inside of God's family? Absolutely not. See, there's another verse that says the community is going to know that we love Jesus. How? By the way we love one another. 30 instructions in the Bible you can't do unless you belong to a spiritual family. Let me just cut to it. I want you to be a part of this spiritual family. I want you to do more than just show up, consume a little bit, and then walk back out into the world. We want you to be invested in this little expression of a spiritual family. Let me say it again. Don't care where you are on the rings. You belong here. What does the verse say? And you belong in God's household. You know, I've been talking to a lot of people about committing to Jesus and his church. Truth is, uh, there's no biblical mandate for church membership. It doesn't, even, it doesn't exist. There's lots that the Bible has to say about ownership when it comes to God's church. But I've noticed something as I'm talking to people. Most people have, have an objection 
If they have an objection to this, they usually have one of two stories. The first objection kind of goes like this. Grant, I'm a part of the global church. I'm a part of the invisible church. I don't need to be locked into a local body. I'm a part of the invisible church of God. And my response is always this. So if you're a part of the invisible church of God, when you have a crisis, you won't mind if I send an invisible pastor to pray with you. Or have an invisible small group to come and actually help you in your time of need. And they kind of go, yeah, that's funny. Ha, 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 ha. And then I ask them the question, so you want to tell me the other story? And it's always the same. It kind of goes like this. You know, Grant, I became a member of a church once. And it didn't go very good for me. All of a sudden, it became about power and authority and control and who was in charge of who. And I just told myself, never, ever, ever again. My response to that would be this. So why are you allowing a mistake from the past? I don't care whose fault it was. Why are you allowing a mistake from the past to dictate your present and your future? Because I'm really glad God didn't apply that principle to me. Anybody else glad God doesn't hold your past against you? So this is a simple invitation. And I may be out of line saying this. We would love an opportunity to rewrite your story. I think that would be good. And I think the family of God deserves that. You know, the bottom line is it all comes down to commitment. The difference between commitment and involvement is like ham and eggs. You've probably heard this before. The chicken is involved, the pig is committed. <laughs> Think about it. Pat Riley, legendary basketball coach, said it this way. There's only two options regarding commitment. You're either in or you're out. Because we talk about family around here, I like to put it in a relational context. In your outline, it says this, the foundation of any godly relationship is commitment. You can say you're involved in family all you want to, but if you're not committed to your marriage or to your parenting, we all know it just doesn't last. John Gottman is a marriage expert. He's done secular research in the ideas of, of relationships and marriage and how people love each other. And, and, and we took John's secular research, which we very much appreciate, and we put a biblical framework underneath of it because we actually think all of his ideas started in the Bible, just like everything else. John says this in one of his videos. He says, you know what? You can practice all seven of the principles. You can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. You can practice them, but without commitment, your marriage will never be a family. It's time for some of us to commit. I know you love Jesus. I would just love for you to be a part of this family because you matter and you belong here. And Pastor Todd's going to come and take us the next step. You know, Grant told us last night that he's been here for 17 years. Uh, for me, it's now been four and a half as part of this family. And church, I want to say this to you. I love being part of CTK. I love the family that God is building here. But it's true. What he said is God is calling us to a greater level of commitment. So what is the commitment 
that God's calling us around here. Let, let me read you our words from the vision statement that God gave us. Our vision is to become a healthy sending church movement that carries the hope of Jesus to individuals, communities, and nations. And, and I want to unpack what Jesus is doing through this vision that he's given us here at CTK. The easiest way is by dissecting the core words of our vision statement, healthy, sending, and movement. Here's a truth that we all need to know. Healthy things grow. They do. Being healthy is being committed to growing with Jesus. And in light of our current series, let me show you how we're trying to grow together. Over the last six weeks, we've talked about our six core commitments as a church. And I'm going to give you a quick summary of those six things. Here they are. Number one, consistently cultivating a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. The Christian life starts and ends with Jesus. It's all about relationship with Jesus. It's about spending time together knowing who Jesus is and how he's asked us to follow him. As we cultivate a life with him, it's there that we see incredible transformation. Let me give you an example of that. This last year, 200 of you were baptized. Why? Because you were willing to show the transformation that Jesus is doing in your life. Following Jesus is about having him as our center. Number two, consistently participating in biblical community. Around CTK, we realize that community doesn't happen by staring at the back of someone's head for an hour every weekend. To have a group of people who know us deeply, who share our lives with them, who point us towards God and help us be a follower of Christ, this is what it's about. And we call these small groups around here. I'm going to say this, I've said this before, the best thing I've done since coming to, to Bellingham was be part of a small group here at CTK. I love the community I'm a part of. Now, they're weird and quirky and fun. Uh, no question about it. If you met my small group, you'd question some of their sanity. But you know what? We together explore who Jesus is, have deep conversations, eat meals together, share life together. It is one of the best things we've done. Why? Because biblical community matters. Number three, consistently reaching out to people who are far from God. This happens in many ways. Kindness, spiritual conversation, shared meals, acts of service. As a church, we spend countless hours loving people who are in the wonderful process of moving towards God, knowing that their process is a unique journey, and our passion is to get to see them know Jesus personally. Now, we do this in different ways. We do it individually. We do this as families. We do this corporately with our community partners. But the bottom line is this, being healthy is also caring for the world around us. Number four, consistently serving in the ministry of CTK or within a ministry that is in alignment with the mission, vision, and values of Christ the King. Service is the backbone of what Jesus modeled to us. In fact, these are his words. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' followers act like Jesus. We serve. And, and yes, this may even require sacrifice, just like it did for Jesus. Over a thousand of you here serve around CTK. In fact, this last year, 300 more of you stepped up. And as we are expanding, we're going to need more and more people to use how God has uniquely designed you to serve God here and be a part of what God's doing here. Everyone has unique and a special role to play. Number five, consistently stewarding personal resources to finance the ministry of Christ the King. Listen, God wants our whole heart. That is why giving financially is so important because money fights for God's supremacy in our culture. 
Here's what's awesome. God knows this is a battle you can win. And we're moving towards this. In the last 12 months, we've had 296 new people start to give to what God is doing here at CTK. In fact, in the month of September alone, 29 individuals or families started to give. And this growth is indicative of what God is doing in our hearts because we understand that advancing Jesus' causes are an eternal investment. And eternal investments last forever and they can't be taken away. Our sixth and final area is consistently attending cor- corporate worship gatherings. Since you're here this morning, and especially in light of the fact that it's a Seahawks game, you get this, right? We need to publicly worship, to encourage, to inspire, to motivate us. In fact, the scriptures even say this is a mandate. In Hebrew 10, we read, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Simply put, the church is better when we worship together. Amen? In in summary, these are simply six Christian practices. Things that Christians have been doing since the time of Jesus. Every culture, every generation, every people group who follow Jesus practice these six core commitments all in their own unique ways. And that is exactly what the last six weeks have been about. That everyone, no matter where you put yourself on the spiritual spectrum, can choose to follow Jesus if, if you're just willing to take that next spiritual healthy step. Church, that's what we're trying to do. Simply move towards spiritual health by pursuing Jesus, knowing that everyone can be in with him. Our second primary vision element is called sending. To be a sending church is to be a church with its sights set beyond us. It's truly exciting to see how many of you are choosing to be sent into our community to show the love of Christ to others. The intensive The farm, our CDK partners, short-term missions, they are all a sampling of how God is pushing us beyond ourselves. There's also this new kind of unique group of people that have kind of bubbled up. They're called our interns. Our interns actually come out of our program called the Intensive, which is for our next generation as we're trying to train and equip um, this kind of Garrett's area. You met Garrett earlier. And these 10 young people are asking this very specific question. They're dedicating the whole year to being here this year to serve. They're asking this question, is God calling me into full-time Christian ministry with my whole life for the rest of my life? It's awesome to see what they're wrestling through. And here's what's awesome about it. Those 10 interns are in a cubicle right in front of Grant's office. And let me tell you, the introvert loves it. It's awesome. (laughs) The final vision component is movements, believing that God wants to continue expanding his church here on earth. Last year, we set a goal We're like, Lord, would you help us? Just let's have one more church as part of our network. And here's the amazing thing. We haven't even told you about this yet. God has fulfilled this in the most, uh, I would say, unique way. 13 years ago, a church started from here called CDK CDK, uh, North Bay. It's right across the water. uh, You know where the water park is in Birch Bay? It's right across the street from there. 
And these guys over the last few months have actually come back underneath us. We've kind of readopted them. They were completely independent. And they said, no, we want to come back underneath um, this banner so that our network is now us and CDK Downtown, CDK Ferndale, CDK Sudden Valley, and now CDK North Bay. And what's so cool about this is I, I was talking with Dan and we were wrestling through, hey, is this a right match? Should we adopt you guys? Should you come back under? And all this, Dan goes, I want to be part of this vision. I want to be part of a healthy sending movement. We want to start more churches up here. In fact, they have a dream of not only growing what God is doing there in Birch Bay, but also their, their hope someday is to start CDK Blaine. It's incredible what God is doing. Next week, we have a young man moving up here from California, a young pastor. He's coming up to be trained, and over the next uh, six or nine months, he's going to get ready to start another Christ the King church. He's so excited to be part of what God is doing here, and we're continuing to see God is just advancing what we're doing. Our hope, actually, this next year is to start two more churches. So if you know somebody, we'd love to find that second person. Who's, who's next? Who's going to help us? Bottom line is God is moving us to become a healthy sending church movement that carries the hope of Jesus to individuals, communities, and nations. But let's circle back. What is it going to be for you? How do you get to step up and be part of this movement that God is doing? How can you join in and be part of our six core commitments? Is it time for you to serve? Maybe it's time to generously give, or how about joining a group? Is it time to dive deep with the Lord and get personal with him or prioritize weekly attendance as a rhythm of life? Or maybe it's time to passionately reach out to those who are far from God, knowing that what God has given you is something to be shared with everyone. Church, bottom line question is, what is your next step? Maybe you're ready to be sent. Maybe you're ready to start a church. Let us know. We want to help. Everyone here has the opportunity to move towards health. Everyone here has a choice. And some of you over the last six weeks have actually already made your choice. God's already inspired you and you know what's next, but some of you haven't. And here's the good news. With the help of God's Holy Spirit, we are all capable of really engaging where God leads. So church, my challenge to you is this, follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. Listen to what God is telling you because most likely where God is leading looks the most like the life that you've always wanted. All that being said, I want to talk to a, a very specific group of you. The ones who have been around for a while, you, you remember all of Grant's different circles? There, there was, you know, first the core, and, and, and then there was the committed, and, and then there was the group, you know, kind of get a congregation. We, we want to hit that middle group. You're the people who've been around church for a long time. Man, maybe it's not been around CDK, but you've been around. You'd say, oh, yeah, I'm one of those kind of committed ones. I, 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 I love Jesus. I love other people. I love to give. I love to serve. I, I'm part of a group, or you would be if you had a chance. But to you who have that committed part of your life, I want to challenge you. It's time to step into the core. It's time to become an owner. We need people who would step up. We need people who these six commitments are not a burden but a lifestyle. And to you who are ready, we need you. We need more people who have been matured by God's Holy Spirit to help us advance the mission here at Christ the King. Garrett told you earlier that we have ownerships classes coming up. And again, those are all in your program. But next week after every service and the following week after this service, we have these ownership classes. 
Our hope that as God is prompting you to step up to be an owner, that you would make it a priority to come to one of these classes so you can see how you can play a part. Yet all of this hinges on one very specific reality. The immense commitments that Jesus has shown us. To be a church means we follow Jesus. And one of the best Christian practices to center our hearts on Jesus' commitment to us is communion. Holy communion, as you know, is the celebration of honor due Jesus by remembering him. And that's really what communion is. It's remembering Jesus and all he's done. I mean, here are his words. The master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread, having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant, covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. And you must never let familiarity breed contempt. Jesus asked us to do this. Remember him. Remember what Jesus sacrificed. Remember how he was tortured. Remember what he gave up to come as God to become a man. Remember how he taught. Remember all the good actions he did. Remember how he showed love and grace and forgiveness in the light of all our sin. Remember who Jesus is. Church, you've been asked to make a commitment, but unless you understand the commitment that Jesus has made for you, it's, it's going to be easy to think, I have to perform, I have to do a duty, but when you realize what the God of the universe has done, when you realize the sacrifice your Savior has made, it puts our commitment in its proper place. Today, we simply want to pause, take communion, and remember him. Here's how it works around here. What we're going to ask you to do is we're going to ask you to come to the, each section. I want you to look forward. Your table where you'll have communion is in front of your section. So if you're in the back section, it's right there in the middle. You guys, it's right there in the middle. For you, it's all up front. As, as you come, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to ask that the first row stands up, and everybody's going to be going counterclockwise. You're going to be going out to your right. You'll come up to the table, and up at the table, there will be two people serving. If the first person's occupied, please just bounce around them and go to the second person. Those people will be saying, hey, this is the body and blood of Christ for you. Now, if you just, I want to make sure we're real clear about this. If you have gluten allergies, we have a special little, uh, table, little uh, thing of bread at the front that has no gluten in it. We, we don't serve any wine. This is all juice. We, I mean, we're a recovery culture. We don't want to have any stumbling blocks for anybody. Our goal here is to allow you to commune with God without any problems. For some of you, and, and I get this, maybe you're new, maybe you're like, I don't feel ready for this right now. Here's the great thing is people stand up in your row, you can just kind of push back against your chair, let them pass you by or step out in the aisle. You don't have to do this. There's no obligation. In fact, we honor people here who say, no, I, I'm not ready this time. This is not for me at the moment. That's a great thing. And here's what happens after you receive the bread and the cup. You can take it right there if you'd like. You can take it back and you can sit down and, and, and if you want to meditate, we're going to have two songs. 
We're going to worship together during those songs. If you just want to be praying during those songs, you want to sit, you're welcome to do what, what God is calling you to do at the moment. But our privilege right now as a church together is to worship Jesus and remember what he's done. Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Father, Father in heaven, who is so good and so wise, thank you for sending your son. And Lord, I ask that we have great courage today, that we remember the sacrifice of our Savior, that we remember the love you poured out, that we remember the forgiveness that you gave. And Lord, may our hearts be retuned and retooled for your purposes. May the awesomeness of who you are May the truth of who Jesus the Savior is so penetrates our hearts and souls that we would see with better vision today, that we would want different things because Jesus is the Lord of our lives and he informs and changes everything. Lord, thank you for your transformation. Thank you for the goodness that you don't allow us to wallow in what was, but you give, you give us vision for what can be. And for that, Lord, we have hope. So, Lord, thank you for our faith. Thank you for the hope that you give us. And thank you for your love. For those three in combination is a beautiful gift from our Father above. And we're so grateful that right now we can remember, remember your saving grace. So it is with great gratitude and deep appreciation we say thanks in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.